Hello and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers and today we're just hanging out talking about movies and stuff. With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Hello. And I am Inona. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. So, we're all still under lockdown, obviously, due to the C-19 virus. And we're um, very happy to be able to bring you another one of these kind of casual bonus episodes. Uh, we're going to be talking about our favorite movies today, and uh, we'll get to that in a bit. First, um, you know, I love to hear how you guys are doing, uh, specifically Barrio. Last time we spoke, you told us that you're talking to yourself, so um, I thought maybe you can give us an update about your uh, mental health. Well, I've started to plan my escape plan. The route out of my house into some other place where no one can see me, and I will meet no one, so I won't be a threat or face any threats. So far, <laughs> the plan is not that good. I've, <laughs> I've been thinking as an alternative to officially uh, lose my mind for a couple of days, just to keep my mental health in the long run. And uh, <laughs> that's about it. I'm always alone. And I think, I think I'm, I'm starting to physically feel it. There's something with the lack of human contact that is definitely something else. Like, you know, when, when people talk about isolation, and, and I never thought isolation is, is that bad. Well, working from home isn't that bad, but actually not be able to meet anyone or physically, like, touch then um, yeah. then that's that's something that's something a bit different. Yeah, it's really weird. Like in a way, I've been in touch with more people than I usually would because everyone is now on Zoom. So, you know, I talk to people I might not necessarily would otherwise. And you know, I play online games with friends, uh, which is something I wanted to do before the lockdown and I don't know, I don't feel like I've lost touch with the other world, but it's not the same as being able to just hang out with friends, it's not the same as meeting people. I, I start to feel that as well. It, it's, a, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, you know, a few days ago, you guys uh, and me, we, we all watched an episode of Firefly together. We kind of synced up um, the video using an app called SyncPlay, and we were chatting over Discord, and we watched the first episode of Firefly together. And that kind of felt like properly watching TV with friends. I like that, but still... I don't know. It's not the same as actually spending time with people. How how are you doing, Peter? Uh, doing pretty well. Um, that was actually a lot of fun when we did that with yeah, the, I really with the Firefly it. episode. We'll be we'll be watching um the first season of Firefly plus the movie. Yes, the only season of Firefly plus the movie. Um, perfect. So. I'm going into a long weekend here in in Australia, and um, so probably will knock out most most of the that season, but. Yeah, it's. I think we've gone from sort of everyone's. Everyone was like a couple of weeks ago. We we're all sort of set on like, okay, this could last three to six months. Let's just hunger down. But now um, the government is sort of saying, well, six months, but also not six months. Like until we get a hmm. vaccine, then who knows if it could like spread again. So, and vaccine isn't six months. Vaccine is more like twelve. Yeah, even more. Even so, more. Yeah. Oh, it's a. Uh, I I this is something we'll probably talk about for quite, like many many years. I don't think this is something like in August September we'll forget that happened. So um yeah, it's pretty pretty major event and it's really an interesting event that sort of makes you realize like what you really need. Like for instance, like a lot of these businesses are going out of 
running out of money and stuff. But then you're realizing like we still have all the buildings, we still have all the boats, still have all the cars and stuff like that. But it was all this like all this value in equity and stocks and all this like credit ratings and all this stuff that like it was so important. But it's like when everything just goes into the ground, then you realize like it's actually like the physical things like getting food out to people and healthcare and yeah so we're sort of trying to do that and then we'll think about everything later like we'll we'll work out the balance sheet after this is all gone but um so yeah it's it's quite interesting so i don't think things will be the same ever again like we just now kind of figured out like uh, what what is important what's less important but also like people are finding out that working from home it's not a bad idea i don't know i think it'll change a lot of things in the future yeah i, I think i also sent you uh this article by uh, yuval noah harari the one and only yeah <laughs> he writes uh I, I think I, I tend to agree with him. He, he says that we'll kind of go back to our routine pretty fast afterwards, but there are going to be like some tweaks because we're much more aware of certain things and working from home is gonna, going to be something much more appropriate. And like every workplace will start to plan around the use case of the requirement to work from home. Yeah, like now we've seen that it's possible, so now we'll implement it into our actual habits. Yeah, and you know, like sanitization while traveling. I, I think I heard all kind of uh, startups about, uh, you know, being able to very easily measure your 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 physical vitals and and just imagine that like you might not be allowed on an airplane if you're not healthy um now mm-hmm. that's something that usually would take years like it, it still sounds a bit weird but after this it'll seem natural yeah we're gonna also see some industries that that kind of start to rise on top of it like uh imagine that you'll have a personal standardized device to kind of take your vitals because you want to know that you won't get stopped at the airport and like there will be an, an insurance about changing your ticket because you might not be allowed on a, on an airplane so that will become something that is pretty mandatory right um hmm. it's not going to be like a huge change i think we're, we're going to go back to normal pretty fast but the normal is going to be a bit different I think it's working a little bit like an epiphany engine almost like all these like bright ideas we're getting now, which we probably just wouldn't have thought of, you mm. know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like there's industries that are working from home now, which probably wouldn't have even thought of it, you know, like lawyers and stuff like that, which thought they need to come into the office every day. And now they're working at home on zoom and Skype and stuff like that. So, and also people starting to take these at-home technologies seriously like some people i'm sure were probably just using email or skype or something but now they're using microsoft teams or they're using google um meets or whatever it is so i think there's like a bit more um added value in that sort of space and and also i think it's interesting like what's going to happen to sort of movies and entertainment like sports stadiums and um stuff like that because obviously after this quarantine everyone will be either very thirsty to go out and go to a bar and hang out or i think you might find like some industries people just might not miss it you know like movies now with like a lot of people are lucky enough to sort of have big screens at home and stuff people might not even miss just going to the cinema instead they'll choose to do something like go to like one of those sort of indoor trampoline parks or something like that stuff you really want to do when you can't go out so Hmm. i think we're going to have like a bit of a change in sort of preferences um 
after this. So. There's a Chinese curse that I didn't understand. It's a curse at the beginning that says, may, <laughs> may you live in interesting times. And <laughs> I kind of feel that we're living in a very interesting time. And I kind of understand the notion now why it's a curse. <laughs> uh, okay, so today we've decided to each bring up our five favorite movies. Uh, of course, it can be any movie from any time period or whatever. Uh, it can be a movie series if you prefer. Um, how do you guys want to do it? Do you want to rank them from five to one like we did in the Mom's Classics episode? Yeah, or... let's, do, yeah let's do that. That, that okay. was good. I can say like I had a lot of fun thinking about movies for this conversation. Like I was reminded of a lot of movies that I really love. And um, it was really hard for me to choose because like, you know, it, it also depends on moods and a lot of other things. But it's just picking the top five. It's, it's a hard thing to do. So I, I myself, I chose five movies that are definitely amongst my favorites. Things that I'm always in the mood to watch and, you know, stuff that means a lot to me. I can't say that this is my definitive top five movies list, but it's the next best thing. How'd you guys do it? I had a list around two or three years ago, which I made. I'm not sure why, but it, I just had it around. I think I had it on like an old phone or something like that. Mm. And I think four out of five stayed the same um, and one just swapped out. Didn't age well. Um <laughs> Can you tell us which one did an age well? <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't a bad film. It was Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. So yeah, it, well, it's my favorite film in the in the whole Marvel um, sort of series. And when I say it didn't age well, I'm I'm joking, of course. It's a really good film, just fantastic. But now that the Marvel series is over, I I feel like I, the hype settled down a little bit and. It feels like a great film, but it just can't compete with the other films I have on the list. It, okay. It, it, it's, it's good, but it's just not not that good. So. Okay. Barrel, uh, how was your process? Impossible. I mean, grading them from <laughs> one to five, it's just there are too many good movies. I, I kept thinking about movies, and then I just went to IMDb to see if I forgot something, and I kind of like found like 20 more. Um, but so eventually I, I didn't grade them. I decided to take like one from each genre. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it, I don't know, it, 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 it felt impossible. Like there are two movies that they're, they're both excellent, but I can't really compare them. Like, I don't feel that I like one better than the other because the, each of them made me feel something completely different. And I think that's that's yeah. kind of like the point of all media and art, to make you feel, right? To make you experience something. And if two movies are just doing it in a very different way, it's like trying to compare uh, a song to a drawing. That, that's my take on it. I, I agree with you. I have I like films from different categories and they, they're hard to compare. But like, I'm, I'm just ranking them by the role they played in my life, in a way. I don't know. You'll see. Should we go through any honorable mentions? Um, okay, yeah. Let's start with uh, honorable mentions. Besides Captain America, my other honorable mention would be Interstellar. So mm, Interstellar, yeah. I said, was my um, favorite Chris Nolan film. Yeah. That was a lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's another one which I... I, I'm not sure if I forgot about or if I sort of put it in a non-Chris Nolan category. I'll, I'll, you'll see what I mean. But um, Interstellar is just a fantastic movie. Um, just, like, I love space movies and I love things with, like, time travel and... An amazing soundtrack, by the way. Amazing soundtrack. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. Oh, really? It's it's It works for the movie, but I, I won't listen to it on its own. Ever. Oh, no, no, I won't yeah. listen to it. Okay, yeah, it works for the movie. Um, uh, yeah, it was just really 
brilliant acting. The only thing is, like, um, I just probably wouldn't want to re-watch it as many times as the other five, so... That makes sense. And I've watched it, like, three times, so it, it's still very good to re-watch. Mm. Barrio, well, what have you got for uh, honorable mentions? Stuff you couldn't fit in the list. I wanted to mention the Toy Stories movies. I've been following that movie series ever since I, I'm a kid, and I watched about six months ago the Toy Story 4, and... <laughs> I found myself weeping at the end, like not really weeping, but <laughs> with a tear. I, I don't understand how they wow. can, I, how they still do such great movies. I mean, it's still, it's still fun. It's definitely for kids, but they, they're still touching. Mm. Um, I really wanted to mention the first Matrix movie. Mm, yeah, haven't seen the Matrix actually. Really? So. Oh, yeah. Really? You <laughs> haven't seen the Matrix? I, I haven't. S- I haven't seen it, no. Yeah, it's a big one. I put it on my to-watch list. Yeah, I wonder if it still holds. Yeah, it definitely still holds. No, yeah, yeah, it should be okay. I watched it a couple of years ago and it was great. Yeah, and I also want to mention Inception. Mm, I love that movie. Yeah. I think it's underrated. Like, It's one of those movies that I am afraid to bring up because people don't like it as much as I do. I think it's a great movie. Someone doesn't like it? I mean, there was this big, maybe a bit too big buzz around it but it's it's an, yeah i think everyone loves it uh, maybe it's just my girlfriend yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> i watched it maybe f- probably 10 years ago now and I, I i don't know what i was doing when i watched it but it didn't really hit um when when i first watched it i think i've even watched it again since then and i just didn't really catch on to it mm. but okay i'm happy to accept responsibility for not paying attention enough because just um, Christopher Nolan's track record is so good that yeah. I I just think it was probably me. Honestly, it was probably me. So yeah, it's probably you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have uh, I have a few more honorable mentions, like stuff I really really wanted to put on my list. I'm gonna start with mentioning two movies um, that I wanted to put on the list, but I already mentioned in previous episodes, so I didn't. You can call it cheating, but I don't want to talk about the Prestige again. I've recommended it two episodes ago. That's one I thought you would put on. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to say, I think it's, it might be my favorite movies of all time, but I didn't put it on the list because I wanted to talk about other movies as well. Another movie I've already mentioned in the podcast, so I didn't put in the list, is Six String Samurai, which um, I've mentioned in, I think, episode two. It's a weird movie. It features one of my favorite bands in the whole world, uh, The Red Elvises. I just love that movie, um, but yeah, it's not on the list today. Um, another two movies that I, you know, I watched over and over again when I was a teenager, uh, and it really pains me to not have them on my list. But what are you gonna do? Are Basketball and South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut? Um, I mentioned them together because they were both made by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, uh, the people from South Park and uh, Book of Mormon. Um, I think I've rented South Park the movie like three or four times when it came out. And Basketball, I think it's one of the movies Barrio, you and I bonded over when we were, I don't know, like 12-year-olds. And one last thing I wanted to mention is the Cornetto Trilogy by Edgar Wright, um, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. It's three movies. Uh, The movies are Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Three amazingly fun movies. Every time I watch them, I think, how how can a movie have so much charm? Like, I really love these movies. Uh, They didn't get into the list. That's a nice tricking on. You just took a trilogy and, and presented it as an item. 
say you want to say you really love the Harry Potter movies. You're not going to rank them from five to one. And that takes up all of your list. <laughs> For all I care, you can say all the Lord of the Rings is one item. Yeah. The way I see it, Peter, we're going to rank it from five to one. And Barry is going to jump in in between and just give us his own choices based on genres. We'll see how it goes. Okay, cool. Right, so, Peter, start us off. What's your number five movie? My number five it's been in my top five for many, many years now. And when I first watched it, it was it was just a fantastic experience. It was just so engaging. And the actor who um, I don't know if you would call him the main actor or the or the or the second lead actor, mm-hmm. um, probably my favorite actor of all time, 1999's Fight Club. Oh, you took yeah. my my choice as well. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Nice. Would you okay. call um, Brad Pitt the main actor, or would you call it? Um, no, I think Edward, Edward Norton, Norton would be the first definitely. one. Yeah. Okay, then I'm right because Brad Pitt is probably my favorite. One of my actor. favorites, definitely. Just just based on based on this a lot. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but also, you know, like the Ocean series and a few other films. So Tyler Durden, yeah, that's that's one heck of a role. Awesome movie, awesome role. Yeah, totally agree. It's a very cultish hit, like a very cultish hit. It's a very much a guy film. In fact, all but one of mine are guy films, and um, uh, I might have given it away. Um, <laughs> but it, it like an underground fight club that becomes sort of like a business, and then yeah, it's it's just and not just the reveal. The reveal is cool, but it it's like even on like watching it for the second time, the third yeah. time, fourth mm-hmm. time, countless times. It's just such a such a deep film. Yeah. By the way, I'm not I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, uh, Peter, but search on YouTube. I think uh, Mad TV had a parody trailer called uh, Fight Like a Girl Club. Oh, wow. It's, <laughs> I forgot about that. It, yeah, it's like from 20 years ago, but it still holds. Fight Like a Girl Club. <laughs> it kills me every time. I, I know, you, you, you had to see yeah. it. <laughs> um, okay, Barrio, give us one of your choices. I'm going to guess Fight Club. Yeah, well, Fight well, I think we already talked a bit about Fight Club. Definitely worth a watch. Still holds today. Has a lot of uh, has a lot of um, subtle and not that subtle um, messages. It's just I don't know. It, it's just beautifully made. Has a great twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know what? On the same vibe, I'll, I'll bring another movie that I really liked: uh, Shutter Island. Um, yeah. Nice. Have you watched it, Peter? Shutter Island. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I did say that actually. Um, that was a really good film. Yeah. I really liked it. It's it's kind of it's it's very similar to Fight Club in in some ways, but also great acting, great atmosphere. I I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I didn't really think about it as being a sort of like similar to Fight Club, but yeah, that's actually very kind of true. the same twist. Spoilers. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's same twist. Like Shadow Island was crazy because I like I, I looked back and I'm like, whoa! I can't believe I was fooled. I that was. It was intense. Yeah, it, it was, was a fun experience, yeah. So I think they, they really did a, a great job there. That was like one of the movies, this and Inception, that I think made all of us kind of try to understand why does Leonardo DiCaprio still doesn't get an Oscar. He, he did since then for one of the... Most boring movies ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I felt it was kind of like... A, you know, a payback for all the great movies he done, he has done, and and didn't get anything for it, other than yeah. the millions he usually get. That poor yeah. guy. <laughs> um, so I'm 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 gonna take it to a completely different place. Like um, the first movie I'm gonna bring up is one that was 
huge for me when I was a kid. Um, it's called Little Giants. It came out in 1994. Um, it has Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill starring in it. It's about a group of misfit kids starting a football team oh. and trying to compete with the local team. Do you remember it? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's an yeah. old movie. Yeah, 1994. Um, the group of misfits, you know, they're kind of led by a girl named Becky. She's a tough girl. She's really good at football, but she's not allowed on the team because she's a girl. So um, she starts her own team. Her team is coached by her father, played by Rick Moranis. And uh, the local team is made up of, you know, all the cool kids. And it's coached by um, Becky's uncle, Ed O'Neill, who is, you know, kind of a former professional football player, kind of a local star. And I don't know, the movie had like a huge part in my childhood. We had it on VCR and like whenever I had nothing to do, you know, on a random afternoon on Saturday mornings, whatever, I would watch a movie and I watched it over and over and over again. And like, I still watch it every few years. Like, I still think it's a really funny, really charming movie. Like for me, it really held up after all of these years, like what is it, 26 years now since it came out. I just... Really love this movie. And um, I don't know, it's uh, it's really different. It, it's not as deep as Fight Club or Shadow Island. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like the, uh, it's it's the usual uh, underdog story, right? That, uh, that Definitely, yeah. That loser group. I don't know, it's... A group of misfits yeah. that make their way to the top. Yeah, it's it stayed with me since my childhood. I, I, I'm looking for opportunities to talk about this movie, you know? So I had to bring it up. <laughs> I, I really love it. Um, Peter, do you want to... Tell us what your number four is. Okay. Um, really excited for this one. Uh, this is a series, but it is my favorite in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite actor who has taken the role. And I think this is the first of his um, his sort of run. And it, it, it does some brilliant work of sort of um, setting up who the character is and the plot is just fantastic. The acting is out of this world. All the all these films just have fantastic acting, um, but um, this is Casino Royale. So I don't know how you guys feel about the James Bonds, like James Bond number twenty one or something. Well, well, uh, yes, I think hmm. so. We have James Bond twenty five, which was delayed due to coronavirus, oh. and then twenty four with Spectre. Not a very good James Bond film. And then we had 23, Skyfall, 22, Quantum of Solace, 21, Casino Royale. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe I hit it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it definitely feels the most, one of the freshest Bond films, just because there was no film before it, but with Daniel Craig to sort of, like, try to find the tone with. It was a, just a totally fresh tone, and um, just the acting was fantastic, and... Yeah, there's not much more to say about it. It's a James Bond film, so a very guy film. But this one was 2006, but two years later they had Quantum of Solace, which is sort of actually like a almost like a direct sequel to um, Casino Royale. It was um, it was set like very shortly after, and that one doesn't get as good reviews. But I think Quantum of Solace is also like one of my favorites. So like I quite like watching them back to back if I can. And then, obviously, Skyfall is um, probably even more popular than Casino Royale, I would say, nowadays. But Skyfall is just fantastic as well. So, um, it's a shame that Spectre was just such a crummy film, I thought. So, that was a shame to sort of put a bit of a, a mark on his on his run. But um, hopefully, 
Bond 25, um, which was originally called Shatterhand. So we dodged a bullet when they changed the name of that. <laughs> it's called, um, what is no it called? Time no Time to, to die, die Now? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was almost called Shatterhand there for a while. So that is a, oof, <laughs> that would have been terrible. Uh, when I was a kid, I think they'd play two James Bonds every Saturday on TV here in Israel. And I think my yeah. dad recorded most of them. I'd sit and watch them with my dad every once in a while. Like, you know, just a random Bond movie, like with uh, Sean Connery or the, the David Lazenby or Roger Moore. And I kind of... George Lazenby, I think. George, George Lazenby, yeah, thank you. And when I kind of grew up a little bit, I kind of, I don't know, stopped following them. I don't know. Hmm. I haven't watched one in years and years. I'd, not since I was like a kid. So I, I can't tell you what I think about Casino Royale or Daniel Craig as James Bond. But I have a place in my heart for James Bond movies. Yeah, I like how sort of like how silent they are and like they just they they play out in front of you and you can just sit there and enjoy it. You know, it, mm. it's um yeah, they they're an experience like nothing else, you know. They're sort of like in their own class of action films and um there's been many franchises that have tried to do what James Bond has done, but really I've haven't seen anything like Casino Royale, so Man, they're running since the 60s. It's wild. Yeah, it, it it's just fantastic. So that was actually the, the one new addition to the list. That one wasn't on the list before. Um, oh, okay. A couple of years ago when I drafted it. But um, I think I've seen Casino Real a few times in the last even 18 months. So, mm. um, yeah, just fantastic. I always felt that James Bond movies kind of resemble... Um, Perfume names, right? Like, <laughs> I can imagine a, a, a perfume called Casino Royale or... Uh, yeah, Octopussy. Or, 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 yeah, <laughs> or Goldfinger. <laughs> Let's take it a bit to the comedy realm. Oof, I, I, well, I kind of, I kind of, I'm not sure. There are two movies that, that I really like, but they're also like different kind of comedies. Like the first one that popped in my head is a parody mo- movie uh, about, uh, about Kung Fu movies called Kung Pao. Mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's definitely one of my favorites. Another movie that's been with me from when, when I was a kid. And, and I think I still reference it from time to time. Just really crazy and weird and, <laughs> and incredibly funny movie. I gotta say that I'm not entirely sure it still holds up. Maybe not. Yeah, but but I I you know I have a I have a warm place in my heart for it. They took a couple of uh, Bruce Lee and well I think they took about three movies and kind of meshed them together. Well, they dub all the uh, all the characters and they actually replace the protagonist character with uh, I don't remember. The actor's name, well, where he kind of kind of placed within the frame, so it's a good laugh. Um, I was kind of thinking about this and School of Rock, which is mm, again, I love that movie. Yeah, another movie that that I really like because it's it's also a comedy, but it's more of a musical comedy, and also great job by. Jack Black and also John Cusack do do great stuff there and and a bunch of kids really talented kids that that just rock really hard and good music yeah. good vibes mm-hmm. and it's just a fun movie cool my number four is also a comedy film uh, it's uh, the movie Dumb and Dumber it's another movie that I had on a VCR you know and watched over and over again as a kid 
I don't think I've seen it. I do. Mm. I've definitely, I've definitely seen it around. Probably seen a few clips from it, but mm. um, no, I haven't seen it. Also, 1994, uh, like Little Giants. Uh, it has Jim Carrey. It has Jeff Daniels. It's it's basically a dumb comedy about two dumb friends who go on this dumb road trip and you know then kind of get caught up with some criminals. I used to really love you know comedy films that came out when I was a kid, but this one always felt just a step above the rest. Like. It's a dumb movie, no way around it, but it's also very endearing. I don't know, I really like the, the comedy in it, I really like everything about it. I love Jim Carrey in it, Jeff Daniels is great in there. Um, I don't know, the movie has a lot of personality, had a big influence on my sense of humor as a kid. I'm, I'll never say no to watching Dumb and Dumber. What about watching Dumb and Dumber 2? Oh, that movie was, I'll say it, dumb. <laughs> awful movie, awful movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you do a sequel, 20 years after the original came out. Nothing good can come out of it. Yeah. Okay, Peter, number three. My number three is definitely the most popular film, I'll say. This is constantly referred to as like one of the best films. Can I guess? Um, yes, you can. The Dark Knight. It is The Dark Knight. No way. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, obviously, the acting performances, don't even have to say it. Just fantastic. And out of the Dark Knight trilogy, I think this is most people's favorite. Um, I went back and forth between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, but after you watch it like 10 times, you sort of realize <laughs> how good The Dark Knight really is. What really makes it is the Joker, played by Heath Ledger. He's a Perth boy, actually. He's from where I'm oh, from. Oh, really? And, he um, was. Yeah. It's cool. And, um, yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah. But uh, yeah, even, even um, Christian Bale's side, I... I just loved everyone loves the cool tech gear that Batman gets and that was even more upgraded than from Batman Begins and um it's just it's just the best film it's all set sort of in a very short period of time which I think makes a very good movie I don't know why but I just I love the I love the fact that it all happens so quickly and it all happens in like sort of one city there's something that really puts you in the world you know mm. like something something different about it but it's um it's just very psychologically interesting this film oh yeah as well as having all the batman like gore that you want and all of the sort of interesting gadgets and all the great storytelling obviously this is a christopher nolan which overtook interstellar the reason i did consider it a little bit different is because christopher nolan sort of has his own sort of films like interstellar and um Prestige and um, Memento and uh, Inception and uh... yeah, so he has all of those. But um, I felt like this was a sort of like not just a Christopher Nolan. This was like a Batman film and also a Christopher Nolan film. So sort of thought of it separately. Like, can you really get much better than Christopher Nolan and Batman? Like that. That's just hard. Yep. That's it's like if this was coming out now because when i watched it in 2008 i didn't really know who christopher nolan was like 2008 i was only 12 11 yeah 11 so um you know obviously still pretty young didn't get all of it and stuff but um definitely didn't know who christopher nolan was i'd seen batman begins but again you know you only sort of have a vague recollection of stuff but now when I can really go in and analyze films and watch YouTube videos about films and stuff, 
Christopher Nolan was just, I've never had more faith in a director in my life. Like any, I I just put any amount of money on, on a film that he makes being good. You know, it's, it's, it's very weird how good he is. So, um, and then you combine it with, um, Christian Bale, who's a fantastic actor, Mm -hmm. plays a few roles in, um, in Christopher Nolan's films. And then obviously Heath Ledger, who, um, I didn't know much about, but um, obviously everyone knows it now. Yeah, so. it, it does. Something that no one ever since succeeded in, in doing with the, that character, with the Joker character. I think I think there's there's like a consensus about yeah, that's the best Joker that there ever was. Yeah, there is a consensus, isn't it? It's, I think that'll be a hard job for someone to ever steal. I mean, Joaquin um, Phoenix, um, I haven't seen the film, but... I heard he did quite a good job, but no one's even bringing up Heath Ledger as being overtaken or anything like that. It's just, it's just not even like something you would say. So yeah, I remember when the the Nolan Batman movies came out. Uh, what's the first one? Batman Begins. Yeah. Yeah, and then Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. And I remember my friends going to see that movies, and I didn't go because, like, I, I said something along the lines of, I-, "I watched the Batman movies from the '90s. I don't need any more of that." And I'm not going. And a few years later, like, I don't know, a few years after The Dark Knight came out, I think, I just, like, someone told me, no, these are really good. So I watched them, and then I watched them, like, again, and then again the next week. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I really love them. I, I remember after watching the, the Nolan Batmans, I went back and watched the 90s Batmans, and I think in one of the Burton ones, I don't remember which one, Tommy Lee Jones plays um, Harvey Dent, hmm. and I watched that movie, and like it's not a great movie, but something about that portrayal of Harvey Dent by Tommy Lee Jones, it took me a while to put my finger on it, but I won't be surprised to hear if Heath Ledger based his Joker on that Tommy Lee Jones hmm. Harvey Dent. They really remind me of each other. Like there, I, I didn't find any information about it. But there is, I think, like, I'll try to find it. Back then, I found like a one-minute video on YouTube that kind of put the two roles next to each other. But I don't know. I'll, I'll try to find it. Byron, you go. Uh, okay, so let's go superheroes. I'll go with Logan. That's the uh, post-apocalyptic superheroes movie where you find Logan Wolverine at the wasteland of humanity. Well, kind of like where all the X-Men are dead and he's trying to make his way with um, Xavier and, and some girl that is claimed to be his daughter or something to a safe haven with other mutants. And I just love that movie. I think it was exactly what I was missing from superhero movies. Because don't get me wrong, I love the, I love the Marvel movies. They're fun. But that one just, it had a mass. It was, it was heavy. And it had this... A vibe of of despair and it was just like beautifully made and and I think finally because they made it R rated or something so it finally was as brutal as as you would have expect from a from a Wolverine movie. Peter, did you did you watch this movie? I did watch the movie and I can confirm very good movie. I don't know. I kind of I like after X Men. What was it? One, two, and three. I like the first three. Like, they came out when we were kids, so maybe I'm wrong. I didn't watch them since then. Then I didn't really like the Wolverine movie. I didn't really like um, the X-Men First Class and all the other. Like, ever since then, I didn't, I didn't really like any of the X-Men movies. Uh, I'll just say from, from where I'm coming, I hate 
all the X-Men movies. I think maybe except First Class, which is okay. I think that all of them are just horrible. They're confused. Everything there is just so stupid. Yeah, I agree. Just want to just want to join this um, bandwagon right now. They yeah, just want to join the tr- the trashing. And the most annoying thing is is that not only they like each movie doesn't have a real consistent plot. They don't even have something on the greater scale. Like they 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 do like different timelines and they trash everything and they exchange and they just ignore things. Just it's a dead horse, right? And they keep trying to revive it and. They're not succeeding. Do you have an X-Men list on uh, the rest of that list there, Peter? <laughs> no way. Okay, no okay. Way. Just I making don't, sure. <laughs> I, X-Men uh, First Class was okay. Like, not too big on it. And then, what's the one that came after it? Days of Future Past? Yeah. That was okay as well. But just, No, but I agree. So... Logan Logan was better than these. Especially than the one... I don't remember where which one, but Wolverine went to Japan at some point. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's horrible. No, but Logan is better than the rest. I agree. It's a good film, and also it's also a superhero film. It's like a good film before it's a superhero film, which is which is a um, good point to make. It's it's actually like a legitimate movie, and also features a superhero. Yeah. So I, I forgot about Wolverine in Japan. <laughs> like you, you made a movie about the most liked X Men, and you took away everything that made him likable. You take away his claws, you take away his healing factor, like pretty much everything, and you make a movie about it. They should have fired. What did they expect? So, my next movie is one uh, from 2016. It's called La La Land um, with Emma Stone and Ryan oh, Gosling. Oh, man, I can't believe it. it's not in my list. Yeah, I, I, I thought this one would be one of the ones we would overlap on. This is one of those films where I look at and I just think, oh, never in a million years I'll ever watch it. When I go to see movies, I like sort of like the guy movies. I'm just about to eat my words in my next recommendation. But <laughs> this is like, in particular... Yeah, this is this, not a guy movie. <laughs> this Yeah, this is just something I would... Never in a million years watch. But tell me why I should watch it. Yeah, I totally recommend it. Um, It's with Emma Stone uh, and Ryan Gosling. Um, It's a love story about a musician and an actress in um, L.A. Um, And it's a huge homage to older musicals, uh, like Dancing in the Rain or, you know, those kind of films. Um, And, like, I don't know. I think that it gets most of its personality and feel from all of the music in it, mostly jazz music, which I really like. Um, and it, it really packs a punch, this movie. Like, it has a lot of feel, a lot of atmosphere to it. Something about this movie, more so than in other movies, just made me feel really connected with the two main characters. It really made me feel like I'm experiencing the story alongside them. And it's a beautiful story. If you like, you know, love stories and stuff like that. I can totally see why you wouldn't want to watch it. But I just love this movie. Like, whenever I think about that movie or listen to the soundtrack... I don't know, I can't think about anything else for a while, and I really just want to watch it again, you know? And, and I know that Ryan Gosling isn't the most charismatic singer, or that the dance scenes aren't as good as in the older musicals, but I don't know, I watched a couple of scenes earlier today, and I was just hypnotized. I was glued to the screen. I just yeah. love this movie. It's so sweet and charming. Wonderful movie. It's definitely not a guy's movie. It's not an action movie. It's it's uh, Not at all. Yeah, but, you know, if you like musicals, if musicals are not your cup of tea then then it's not for you i'm not gonna say it's a universally good film like i can totally see why people might not like it or why peter it might not be to your taste i'd be really interested to hear what you think about it but like i don't know 
uh, it's just an important movie for me. It feels like something that I can't stop thinking about. I love this movie. Oh, Peter, and if you watch it, I, like the first time I watched it, I have to say, I was in a theater and I thought I was in an awful movie for the first 30 minutes or so. Like, I hated that movie. I wanted to go out, but then it got me. Um, okay, next. Peter, what have you got for us? I think it's number two now. Number two. So, um, the previous three I all really do like, but these ones are sort of like my personal picks. Um, I've watched them a million times, and I have a ritual for both of them um, when I watch them. <laughs> I've mentioned them both on the podcast, and I think they will never move from the top two spots, so feel really passionate about them. So the second um, number two pick is a film from 2006, and it features... Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep. Mm, and, okay. um, yeah, I should have guessed. <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada. So all my other ones are guy movies, and this one is just a big chick flick. But there's just something about it. Like, the first time I watched it, I, I knew I loved it, but I just thought, oh, yeah, I, I saw it very early on. I think I saw it when it came out. And I was like, oh, I guess all movies are just this fantastic. <laughs> no, no. This is an outlier. This is like the best chick flick ever. It's just What's um, there? I okay, Sometimes you can't explain it com- though. This is a little bit can't explain it, but this is like I always actually say this about movies and no one seems to ever get what I mean, but like the pacing is really good. So like just the point at the film where they introduce you to new characters and when they introduce a new scene and when they introduce, like, a plot twist. Like, I feel like films now are sort of, like, they're, like, the equivalent of, like, an EDM song where it's just, like, you know, like, it's just, like, a big drop and where, like, everything goes sideways and then you have to adjust to a new world. Whereas this one is just, like... It's just, it, you're, like, in the world at the start, but then, like, you slowly become part part of the world. Like, you feel like, oh, yeah, you're in the fashion industry and, like, you're sort of going along with her and, like, you really feel like you are Andy Sachs in this film. And it's it's so real, you know? Like, it, it's, it just feels like everything is happening to you. And it's not even, like, the most incredible, like, shot movie. Like, it, it's got some, like, good scenes but it's like it's a chick flick you know like it is really a chick flick hmm. but it's just like the most beautifully scripted chick flick and it's like it's just got the best lines and everything just sticks like everything they do just seems to work so um yeah there's no character wasted there's no scene wasted and yeah it's just just a fantastic film really good hmm. it's really fun to find a movie that works for you and my ritual um, I watch this every time I go on a plane. Really? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've I've noticed that this one, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, every time I, I went on a plane, like in between like 2006 when it came out and like 2010, I was like, why is this always on the plane? Like this is like, there's some movies that come and go, but this one just ever since it came out, it's just always been on planes. It's, I don't know why, but maybe it's because it is good pacing <laughs> or something and it really yeah, maybe. <laughs> makes you forget you're on a plane. But ever since I noticed that, I've every time I go on a plane, I watch it. 
So, hmm. just a ritual. I also want a ritual. Does it fall under the category of um, guilty pleasure or something? Uh, yeah, perhaps. Well, it it feel it feels like it would be under that category, but I mention it so often, so I don't know how guilty I am really. But it definitely has a feel <laughs> to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Barrio, you go. So you know, I'll I'll remain at the same vibe, more or less. Well, but probably less. And I will bring Shawshank Redemption. Huh. Number one mm. from IMDb's list. Yeah. Like, I was kind of thinking if to put it or the Green Mile, which I kind of put... Maybe it's also from the same director. I don't remember. But it, they, they got, like, similar vibe. Wait, both of them are based on uh, Stephen King's books, really? I think. Yeah. Wow, I did not know Shawshank was a Stephen King film. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. D- d- is that a commonly known fact? That doesn't feel common. Uh, and it also is the same director, yeah. He really likes Stephen wow. King. No, but a lot of people are surprised by that, the the fact that it's a Stephen King novel. Yeah. So if, if you talked about pace, I think Shawshank Redemption got great pace. Brilliant pace, yeah. Yeah, and it also like keeps you with, with him the entire journey, right? Because it's definitely a journey. It happens in a, in a maximum security prison, I guess. But it takes you from the day that uh, Andy something Andy Dufresne Dufresne Andy Dufresne his first day in prison and uh, you know until the end where you kind of I'm not sure if to spoil but where he's not in prison Um, (laughs) but uh, wink wink (laughs) yeah but uh, it just has really great pace and interesting characters there is some violence there but it's not it's more of a gentle movie kind of like the Green Mile I don't know it, it it's, it's interesting. You can't... I mean, Shawshank Redemption, I think it's like three hours. Two and a half, and yeah. it And it was done in a time where it's like was way too long before all the Lord of the Rings and, and Avengers and yeah. such. I haven't watched that movie since the 90s. I can't tell you what I think about it. Well, I, I can. I, I saw it um, recently, actually, like um, for the first time. I, I'd always um, known it as like one of the best films. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll see it one day. <laughs> And then I think um, 2017. I think I was like, oh, okay, oh, I'll just I'll just watch it now. I think I was on break from uni, and I was just like, yeah, eh, we'll chuck it on, see if it see if it is any good. And yeah, it was fantastic. It was just just easy. Like I think I watched it in the afternoon, and it's such a good afternoon movie. I would recommend people watch it in the afternoon. It feels <laughs> it like just watch it at like three o'clock or something like that, and then it just really puts you in the mood. It's such a, like a sun going down movie, and um. Really good acting, really good pacing, and um, kind of feels like you're in prison, <laughs> uh, but yeah. um, in a good Dream way. come true. <laughs> um, my number two, um, it's a couple of movies. It's Clerks and Clerks 2. Um, both are Kevin Smith movies. Um, Clerks came out in 1994, and Clerks 2 came out in 2006. I watched Clerks for the first time when I was in high school, I think, and Clerks 2 a little later in life. You know, I always loved watching movies, but Kevin Smith's movies, especially Clerks, kind of made me understand that movies had a deeper layer and that they sometimes have, you know, a lot to say. And I don't know, I feel like that made me start developing my own taste in movies and also kind of opened my mind to smaller movies. Like when I first watched Clerks, I didn't think I would enjoy it at all, like an indie movie that's in black and white. Um, It was all set in the same location. It felt dumb to me. But the movie had something to say, and, and that felt different, you know. And then when I watched Clerks 2, I felt like I needed to hear what it had to say. Now, basically, that you don't have to set your goals extremely high if you're already happy with what you've got. 
Down the line, I watched all of Kevin Smith's movies. I love a lot of them, especially the early ones. Um, I don't know, these movies, they opened my mind to movies. They were really important to me early on. And I, I watch them every once in a while, and I just love these movies. That is your third one from 1994. Yep. Something about the year 1994 just worked for me, it turns out. <laughs> now, um, I got a question about Clerks and Dumb and Dumber. Mm. Maybe you'll know, maybe the listeners will know. Both 1994 films. Dumb and Dumber was released in Australia 16th of March 1995, and Clerks was released in um, 6th of April 1995. Why are they 1994 films, but they were released at least three months into 1995? I'm not taking any responsibility for that. Uh, I had nothing to do <laughs> with know, that. I know, but it's just like there, there's no, like, they're 1994. Like, uh, that's just what it says in the movies, yeah. says on all the sites, but like, Released 1995. Like, what? Like, I don't understand. Clerks was an indie movie, and I think 1994 was the year it premiered. I think it was Sundance Film Festival. So maybe that's... Okay, that would you know, make sense. Yeah, and then it took a, a long while. I, I don't think they even put it in a lot of uh, movie theaters back then. Um, and also, that was a period of time where, like, I don't know, at least here in Israel, a movie would, you know, premiere in theaters all around the world and then a couple of months later it would get here so i remember you know seeing all the reviews and everything and have having to wait for a movie to come to israel i don't know maybe it was the same way in australia well um australia usually gets the first look at films actually usually when you look up films like when they're released it mm-hmm. says like 18th of april in then in brackets it'll say australia the reason is because Australia is pretty like per capita, we're one of the worst pirating nations. So <laughs> we just we just love a bit of pirating. So because um, we sort of get excluded a lot of things from the US, like mm. some of the the Hulu and all this stuff that we don't get. Um, so yeah, we tend to pirate it quite a bit. But um, I think their rationale is if they release it here, like a couple of days early, then they just have less people that will. Yeah. You know, download it illegally. So, makes sense, I guess. But yeah, anyway, Clerks and Clerks 2 are very important uh, movies for me. And um, both of them kind of surround Quick Stop. Uh, you know, it's a um, convenience store in um, New Jersey. Like, the whole first movie takes place in the store. And the second movie kind of starts and ends there. And then, I think five or six years ago, when me and Barry were in America, we had a few days off. I think we were in either New York or Philadelphia. And we rented a car and we actually drove there. Oh, that's so cool. Took a picture there. Uh, yeah, I, I love that picture. I love those movies. Uh, just a big part of my life. I've never got to do that. I've never got to like travel somewhere where there's been a movie shot. Or well, I'm sure I have, but like not not a movie I've seen. So Peter, go to New Zealand. And, <laughs> to and, the bush. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's Skux a lot of life, uh, Lord of the life. Rings, right? <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> <laughs> Also that, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about Lord of the Rings but and The Hobbit. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I thought life. you were. I thought you were, but yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. I think, um, well, I was planning to go to New Zealand um, early next year, but we'll see how that goes, um, you know, with the coronavirus and everything. But yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so Peter, your number one. My number one. I've mentioned it on the podcast, and there is a ritual with this one. Don't worry. This one is a 1988 action film. I got it. Um, commonly referred to as one of the best action films of all time. This is where a NYPD officer tries to um, 
defuse a hostage situation in a in Nakatomi um, Plaza in Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this is this is Die Hard. This yeah. is um, the <laughs> Die Hard. I watch this one every twenty fourth of December, which is the day it's sort of like set on. And um, there's not much I can say which other people haven't said, but it, the reason it's just one of my favourites is. Um, one, I've seen it probably at least a hundred times, like no, um, no exaggeration, probably seen it probably a hundred to 150 times. <laughs> and, um, it, it's just, every scene is just so rewatchable, you know, like I just put it on and it's like, I'm seeing it for the first time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just like the, the classic sort of like incompetent, NYPD, you know, the whole taking responsibility because no one else can do it sort of storyline, the whole bureaucracy, the red tape. And obviously um, Hans Gruber played by um, Alan Rickman, probably one of the best performances, sort mm-hmm. of reminds me a little bit of not not the same performance, but like The Dark Knight, how there's Christian Bale, like brilliant actor in sort of in the hero role. Um, and then Heath Ledger in the sort of like the villain. I feel mm-hmm. like Alan Rickman did a equally sort of like incredible job playing the villain. It was just it's just such a cool villain. But then he also did have sort of like this sort of more uh, pathetic side, you know. So because he's really just <laughs> the common criminal trying to steal money. So um, yeah, it's just um, again we'll say it a hundred times, but pacing is really good. Yeah. And um, it's a really good one to watch at night because it fi- it finishes like well after midnight in in the movie sort of world, and um, yeah, it's just a really cool film. And um, I'll give a shout out to the other diehards as well. Die Hard Two is uh, very similar, but it's set at an airport, and um, that one's just that one's again a Christmas one. Um, really good. Like if you. If you wanted to watch two films or something with the family or just with your friends on Christmas Eve, Die Hard 1 and 2 would be a really cool sort of back-to-back movies to watch. Die Hard 3 is commonly sort of referred to as um, the second best Die Hard behind the first one. Um, That one's got um, Samuel L. Jackson in it. That's the one I grew up with. Yeah. I love that that, that, That's a very cool one. Very cool. Um, Die Hard, and then there's Die Hard Four, which I will defend. I actually quite really? like Die Hard Four. I do like Die Hard Four. That one was um, it was a cool film. Like it had just so much action in it, and um, to be honest, like it was indistinguishable in quality from probably number two. Like I, I feel like one and three are on a tier. Then there's like a negative tier, which is like two and four. And I felt like two and four were just incredible. So um, and four was just um, wouldn't look at it twice just a really good film and i still feel that way um but now number five came out in what was it 2013 that's just think a so. horrible I film think so. yeah it's awful number five is bad is really bad so uh, i think they were planning on releasing a six i'm not sure how it's going but um god i hope it's better than five <laughs> otherwise i hope they just don't release it and in fact i'm trying to get a box set where um they just have the top I bought all the films individually, but I would like a box set of one, one through, four. through four. But now all of them have five in it, and it's just 
Uh, I don't like, want it in my house. I don't want it. Yeah, it. I've seen it only the once number five, and it's um that was even once too many. That was that it sucked. It yep. really sucked. So, I agree. But yeah, number four. I'll, I'll some people just say four and five were terrible, and I want to put a distinction there. I'll have to give it another shot. I don't remember it at all. Yeah, no, definitely recommend number four. Um, don't think just because it was like a really modern one that Die Hard 4 sucks. It's just five. Okay. Number four is brilliant. Cool. Okay. Bario, uh, your next one. So uh, I, I didn't arrange it in uh, like the top five. So this mm-hmm. one is kind of like in the same um, level as the previous, but it does have a, a very uh, sentimental place uh, in my heart. Are actually two movies that were set, I think, like 10 years from each other. There's a movie called Before Sunrise, right? That movie is from 95. Um, and the next movie is called Before Sunset, uh, which is, yeah, it's about nine years after. Uh, Before Sunrise, it's from 95. Before Sunset is from 2004. Um, and that's just, you know, um, just an amazing movie, I think. It's... It's with uh, Ethan Hawke and uh, Julie Delpy. And the whole thing is that it's... Um, I'm not sure if it's really one take, but it, it, you get the feeling of one of a one-take movie. The first one is uh, almost two hours. The second one is, is more around uh, one and a half. And you get like this people who just talk uh, and go through Paris and... That's just an amazing experience because it sounds like something that can really fail, but when it's done right, when you got the right actors and the right places, and more importantly, the the right dialogue, it's just amazing. It's a journey, a very intimate journey with two people. And uh, the first one, I think, is is just a masterpiece. It's just, I don't know, it's touching. It's it's a movie to see. You know, after you finish uh, seeing um, Shawshank, yeah. So how? <laughs> so when you finish Shawshank, when it's just like the the beginning of uh, the night, then it's time to watch Before Sunrise. Um, hmm. Really adorable movie. I don't know. Like I tried to think what I got from it, and I just couldn't. Like I said at the beginning, like movies should probably make you feel, and this movie kind of this movie will make you feel something. Days after. I put those both those films on my watch list like 10 years ago, I think. Um, and I remember one time that movie came out when we were talking and you said something like, I really like those movies. That's it. And ever since then, I don't know, I kind of connect those movies to you. And I haven't watched them yet. But like now I, I wanted to guess just as a joke before sunset, before sunrise. And I should have said something. <laughs> uh, now we can never know, you know. We all think you're just making that up to sound smart, but we're not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, my, my number one, um, it's the Ocean Trilogy. Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Ah. Yeah. I love those movies. Um, if you don't know them, their main actors are George Clooney and Brad Pitt, which we've mentioned before. Um, you know, alongside a bunch of other awesome people. All-star cast. Oh, yeah. I really love that. I really love the cast. Um, these are fast-paced heist movies with kind of sophisticated and funny characters. An awesome soundtrack, I have to say. We've talked about pacing in movies. I think these movies are just perfect in terms of pacing, at least for me. How the music and the dialogues are all working together. You don't want to miss any detail. I love it. I can't take my eyes off of these movies. 
Um, it's really fun to see them plan and perform the heists, which obviously, you know, they get bigger and, and more complicated in each movie. And um, I don't know, when I watch these movies, I always think, how are these not everyone's favorite movies, you know? Um, I kind of have to remind myself that people love different things. And um, I don't think I'll ever understand someone who doesn't at least like these movies, you know? Such good movies, such good movies. I, I just love this sort of, like, just the tone is amazing. It's, I, um, I agree. It's brilliant acting, as you say. What would be, um, what would be your ranking of Ocean's 11, 12, and 13? It's really hard to say. Um, like, every time I watch them, it's the one I'm watching right now is the best one. <laughs> I think, I think, like, I watch 12 the most times, and then I, I think 13 would be my second one, and the first one would be the third. Wow. Because uh, I think um, 12 is probably the least popular. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. Um, for me, it personally, it is, but it's not, like, not by far. You know, like, it's not like... It would be my least favorite, but it's not like I would expect it to be anyone else's least favorite. So, mm. and when I say least favorite, I really do mean least of my favorite. It, yeah. They're all really good. Mine would probably be 11, 13, 12. So opposite to you. But Yeah, um, I can see that. I, I I don't know. I can't blame you for, you know, having a different opinion because they're all great. They are really, they're really close as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But something about 12, which I don't know, it's, it's funny because it's the only one that doesn't take place in Las Vegas, but something about it just works for me. And uh, also the the movie soundtrack. It's easily the movie soundtrack I listen to the most. It's upbeat and fun, mostly drums and bass, no vocals. And like, I find that everyone seemed to be okay with it. You know, I put it when we have guests over, I put it in parties or at work and at my parents' house. And it's always a good fit. Like, something about the soundtrack works for everyone. I love these movies. Mm. I've watched them, I don't know, countless times i really really like them i would say this would be a really good candidate if you're thinking of doing a sort of like a watching with people over some of the new software that you can sort of watch in tandem with someone else online like some of your friends online or just you know whatever whatever way you want to do it this one is a really good one it's really good to watch with people i think another thing i like about these movies and maybe that's why i love them so much is that they kind of make you feel smart and sophisticated yourself you know like if you get the jokes, if you see all the details, if you see, if you kind of get the twist of the plot, it makes you feel good about yourself. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Do you know that there's an Ocean's Eleven from 1960-something? What? No, yeah. I didn't know that. The original Ocean's Eleven uh, from 1960. It has Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. Wow. Those are big names. <laughs> wow. We will have to watch it one day. All right, so... Um, I wanted to quickly go over what's coming up uh, for the culture quest. I'm not sure if this episode will come out before or after the Mom's Classics episode, uh, in which we listen to five symphonies chosen by Barrio's mom. So that's either just came out or coming out soon. Um, Then we're going on a side quest. We're going to be discussing the Anthropocene. And then we're watching Firefly and Serenity by Joss Whedon. And um, as usual, all of this information, including links to everything, is on our website. Um, so thank you, Peter. Thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. See ya. See ya.